Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to this week's episode of My Friends Do Dope Shit. I'm Sasha Exeter. I am not going to lie here. I am freaking out inside because the next guest has been someone I've always admired. She's a powerhouse, an inspiration, a CEO, a hair care mogul, and the picture of black excellence. Welcome, my leak teal. I feel extremely honored and grateful for your time today and to be able to like actually connect with you. I can't say it not yes, in real yes. life, but at least off I Instagram. I found you on Instagram when I was pregnant with my daughter and you were also pregnant with your first. Yes. Okay. So I was really trying to connect with other women in the space and other black women in the space who are business leaders and brand people and really see how they were navigating their pregnancy. So that's kind of how I got connected to you. I've been obsessed with okay. you ever since. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure. I feel like you just like commenting and then going to your page and saying like, oh my gosh, she is so, she's fit, you know, she's, she's oh. real. Um, and this momming stuff is difficult. And so, yes, it is a mutual oh, thank love. You. And thank you. you. Um, so before we get into all your business, personal yes. and professional, what you've done with Curlbox is legendary. It's like visionary Thank status you. stuff. Um, so for those people who aren't aware of Curlbox, can you talk a little bit about it? Give the people what they need to know. Totally, yes. Curlbox is a monthly subscription service for naturally curly hair. And so over, I started it a decade ago. I was doing PR for just like various apps and doing some beauty stuff. And I was going to these hair shows, watching women literally make make a pilgrimage to like Alabama or Atlanta or up to New York to get access to hair products that you now see in stores. But just as short as a decade ago, you couldn't go into like a CVS or a, a Walgreens or anything or a grocery store and find something that worked for your hair. So... I started it, exploded. I think we grew 1900% the first year. And the landscape has changed now, you know? And sometimes it's like, I'm grateful for the work that we did because we kind of forced brands to spend more time and money earning the Black woman's dollar. Now, I think we've totally changed the game of like, you can earn our dollars and you can put some effort into better fonts. You can put some efforts into diversifying what the models look like in these campaigns, you know? And so it's been, it's been really wonderful, grateful to have tried something. So many people have ideas and they're afraid to try them. And I was once afraid, but to just like try this, 
have it explode, have it literally change my life because it gave me so much access. Like my life will never be the same again. And we're still around, which is yeah, pretty Yeah, you celebrated a decade earlier this year, I believe, right? And yes, you have your yes. own fulfillment center. I do, yes. <laughs> I have my own fulfillment, you know. Hindsight being what it is, you know, there are some things that, you know, if I knew then what I know now, but you know, if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have never even oh, started geez. this. You know, it's it's hard. And there is a glamorization of entrepreneurship online and especially in the in the space, you know, where it's like everyone I look at some of these girls are like Everyone looks beautiful, doing everything. You know, it's like they are not the real showing. shit. Yeah, you're pulling your hair out, like you're getting sued. Like I don't know anybody who's official, official who hasn't been sued. You know what I mean? And it's like you're betrayed by people you once thought were friends. Like it is a total mindfuck. You know, it is. It, it's crazy. I'm like, how is anybody doing this and not being in therapy every week? Well, like I have and, been and for the honestly, last we'll get into that later. You are one of the reasons why I got into therapy almost a year and a half ago, and I'm still doing it consistently, investing in myself. Like it was once that. a week, now it's bi-weekly, but it, it literally yes. changed my life. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, like you said, we'll talk about it later, but sometimes people will think like, well, I'm not in crisis or I don't have a major issue or, or maybe I'm over the big it's issue. And I'm like, it's called maintenance. It's like, if you, if you're working out and you reach your, you know, healthy point or your goal point of being healthy, you don't stop doing the things that you were doing that got you to that place. And so I talked to uh, a therapist one time and he brought something to light for me. He said, therapy is the only relationship that you will have in your life where it is 100% about you. You deserve to have someone who will listen to you and not tell you a story. Or tell you that you're wrong and your feelings are invalid. Exactly. Yes. So there's going to be some listeners to this episode who don't really fully understand the history and complexities of black hair. So I kind of want to touch on that. I know I have my own black hair trauma stories. I want I'm so interested to know about your black hair trauma stories. Totally. So, I mean, I can tell you just hopping on this call with you and realizing I'm going to be on camera and just having the absolute guts to just let my hair be fuzzy. Like I need to take my braids down. And there is this sort of like active rebellion that I feel like I have to have for myself and others that says, I don't have to have my edges laid all the time. And so I grew up, you know, getting my hair done and having, you know, my mom doesn't know any better. It's like, oh my God, like your hair is so, you know, it's hard, it's difficult, you know, and I think that is coarse, we start to process what people say about us and our hair is what we then begin to say about ourselves. And so I would then, my mom would then like farm me out to get my hair done. I'd spend all day there and just, you know, getting a relaxer at like five and six years old, having my scalp be burned. And then just, I remember, you know, being 10, 12 years old, not really having the skills to do my hair, but feeling so like, I am not beautiful. I do not feel good about myself. I've, I've had a lot of challenges. And so to this day, I'm still challenging myself to say, do not be afraid to be seen as you are, because that is going to heal and help someone who's like, my hair looks like that. 
and I can yeah. be seen. If I can be honest, I think I'm still very much in that journey. I know oh, you're a former athlete. I am as well. I played tennis, so it's a very white sport. And when I traveled, I was obviously the only black girl on the team. And I distinctively uh-huh. remember being heckled because it started to rain. And mm. my sleek ponytail as I was playing and I thought I was looking mm-hmm. cute and I was serving mm-hmm. and the, the ponytail was living <laughs> and giving. Yes. And as the rain continued to mist and trickle down, obviously my hair started expanding, expanding, expanding. And I could hear people laughing and like, what, what's wrong with her hair? Why is it growing into an afro? It's a cha-cha-cha-chia. And I yeah. was like, remember going to serve and crying and I ended up losing the match and yeah I've had like quite a few devastating moments and being in front of the camera a lot I still have anxiety showing up to set when Mm. production companies don't hire people that know how to handle our hair yeah it's difficult when how we look matters you know and people really not understanding just how important our hair is to us what I think I've learned over over time is that it's not that our hair is difficult. It's just that when you don't provide people with tools and resources, and it is difficult, and it is a you know a point of shame. When I look back over my life and I think about you know some of the things that I've done, every all the work that I feel like I do centers Black women. You know, in some way, I'm wanting to help us feel better about ourselves in some way or some bring some ease and joy. Uh, that, that I, feel I like think also deserve. probably what you've been able to bring to the business is what you've taken from athletics is hard work and tenacity. Um, you totally. may be able to push through certain things and grind a little bit harder than the other person, similar to how you'd be doing when you were training for track. Yeah. Or what, this is one of the things that I always tell people, being mm. a good loser, you will not always come in first place. And if you don't know how to take an L, <laughs> you will not Girl, stay this around. is not even Sunday and, and is- you are serving gospel. <laughs> yeah, you got to be able to lose, guys. You know, it's like you don't... I see so many people, you know, something happens and they can't just like hold their chin up, have some poise, have some grace. You know what? It's not, this wasn't my finest moment. But I think that's where the real magic is, is not being able, not knowing how to win. So I said earlier about how inspiring we all find you online. How are you your own hype woman? How do you inspire yourself? How do you keep yourself going? I think in some ways I was probably blessed with that kind of factory setting for myself and about myself. You know, some people will ask me, how are you so confident? I'm like, how am I not? How would I not be? You know? I think, you know, it's so, it's like, I look at my son and my son is like, he will say, you know, mommy, I know everything. I'm like, oh gosh, this is my <laughs> child, you know? And so I feel like some sort of like my naivete and the belief that I have in myself is what carries me, you know? And so I'm able to share myself because I am full. I am full, I hate to say it, of myself, <laughs> but not in a negative way. But like my mom used to joke and say to me, don't pull a muscle padding Hilarious. yourself on the back. Hilarious. I will celebrate me at all times. <laughs> I will pat myself on the back. I will give myself like, you know, I'm careful with the words I use with myself. I do not use harsh and negative words about who I am. 
about what I've done. I'm always learning. I am human, you know? I know who I am and I feel good about that person. Even if, you know, I tell people there are parts of myself that I don't necessarily love, but I accept her, you know? It's like you I can accept the parts of me that I may not necessarily love. No one loves every part of themselves. No one loves every part. But when you can accept the parts you don't love, that is freedom. So if if somebody says something about you, about a part of you that you already know, it's like, girl, I know, I know, and I'm good. So as Black women, we often have to create our own greatness because people generally are just not going to give it to us or do that for us. Definitely not with ease that we see our white counterparts have. So when you're out there breaking glass ceilings and having your success, do you feel like you're just doing it for you? Or do you also feel like you're doing it for the other young Black women out there? Definitely doing it for a lot of the the young Black women that are coming behind me. That is what, you know, I had, I started a podcast like 12 years ago before podcasts were even a thing. And that was mostly me just trying to figure out, like some of the girls on Twitter were like, we need you to like talk and like, talk this out to us. And what I really wanted was like, what do I wish someone had said to me as the only young Black woman in my, you know, I I started off working at a PR agency in Beverly Hills. And there was an incident where I arrived to a meet, I, I showed up to a meeting and I wasn't dressed correctly as per the woman who told my boss. And I really felt a way because the woman who told my boss was a black woman. She was mixed race. But I felt like you could have just pulled me to the side and said, hey, sis, I know you're young. You're 24. Yeah, baby. You you don't, you know, my neither of my parents had like these kinds of jobs. We, we I didn't see, they didn't have friends this way. You could have pulled me to the side and been like, hey, next time I you should wear this. Like I had on like jeans and a blazer. And she was like, she said I shouldn't have wore jeans. And like, I didn't know because we wore jeans. It was a casual environment. And so my podcast over the years has literally been kind of like a, hey, sis, like, let me pull you to the side and tell you what I wish someone had told me. And so the stuff that I'm doing is for, not just for me, it's for us. It's for more people to take us seriously. It's for us to walk into banks and get loans. It's for us to believe that we can, do things without like the fancy degrees. It's like, this is how I feel. It's like, we are looking, we will compare ourselves to someone who is our age or someone who is our neighbor. And it's like, everybody doesn't have the same advantages. And so a white woman walking in and me walking in, you know, I'm already, I'm already like three, four paces back. And so I think it's like recognizing that before you start to beat yourself up or think it's something that you can do is like you're you're up against all this bias. And so there is a part of me that wants to chip away at the bias. You know, it's like I was the only black assistant at this like PR agency and I wanted to like haul ass. I wanted all these like young white girls that were there that, you know, they had, they, we were making no money. So their parents were able to finance. You can have a job that pays $26,000. Cause you have the safety net. You yeah. You got the safe, but I didn't have that. And I remember saying, I am going to come here and show up every day and show every single person here that they need to give more chances to more black women because we can kill this and we can be, we are hardworking. 
We are resilient and resourceful because we've had to be our entire lives. Right. And what are your thoughts on that? I talked a lot about this during BLM, just the exhaustion of having to work 10 times harder than white counterparts just to even get in the room, just to sit at a sit in a boardroom and have a conversation tabled about myself. We both have daughters and they're both biracial. So, mm-hmm. and I ask myself this all the time, like, how, how are you going to navigate this lesson or how are you going to bring her up? I mean, she's very, she looks a lot like Maxwell in terms of she's not exactly black yeah. passing, but not white passing either, but passing either, you can right. tell that they are biracial, but it's like, you know, some people say, well, we need to break that cycle where we condition our children, especially young black women, that they have to be strong. They have to be all these things. They have to be a superhero. They have to work 10 times harder. And although we've come so, we've come a long way, but I still think we have so far to go. So for me, those are still things that I'll be instilling in Maxwell, but interested to know how you feel about that. Here's what we know. Because of their skin tone, all the studies show that they are not going to have the same experience that you and I have as Black women. Because they are lighter skinned, they will be lighter skinned Black women. They are going to experience life differently. Like I was talking to a psychologist that was telling me that like light skin boys get less messaging about the police than dark-skinned boys. Like I was just reading a study this morning where they they looked through like 800 mugshots and it's like darker people get harsher sentences than lighter-skinned Black people. So we know, like I know that my children are going to experience the world differently. And there's a part of like my inner child, like my inner little black girl that feels kind of like envy towards my children. And it's like not acted out, but just like a healthy envy of like, I never realized how invisible I was until I had them. So many people comment, like just this morning, I told you I'm on a beach vacation, walking my daughter around the neighborhood and like everyone stops. She's absolutely beautiful, this child. Yeah. It's like they, but I remember it's like, as a little girl, I don't, ever remember having this much messaging to me. And attention. Yeah. 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 And so I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like everywhere they go, it's like, and I noticed that like, even for my son, he's like acceptable black. So it's like, he gets invited to all the parties and they're all parents love you and he's, he's safe. So there's a part of me that has that. And then there's a, a part of me that's trying to work through how do I, help my children see themselves in a world that doesn't acknowledge them. So it's like when you're reading these books, you have them, you read, and you know, the books are very black and white and and the books that are like about mixed race kids are like, it's all about curly hair, which is like really so bizarre or calling them like caramel or food items. I'm like, okay, some, somebody's got to do something about this. It's highly problematic. (laughs) It's highly problematic. of like, how do I help my children see themselves? And someone said something to me this morning that stuck with me. It was like, and not calling them half anything. Like you are a, you're fully black, you're fully white. And you know, but I don't know if you've noticed this when I'm filling out things for them, it'll say, check all that apply in terms of their race. And so I do feel like some strides are being made in terms of them not having to choose. 
And so, and I think the media is starting to come around due to Meghan Markle of like accepting this whole like biracial thing, because there have been lots of like historic biracial first. Barack Obama is biracial. You know what I mean? Halle Berry, they're, they're biracial and not necessarily black, but we know how the world is going to see them. We'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to the show. So we talked a little bit about therapy. I've seen a huge shift Mm -hmm. in the last maybe, I just got goosebumps. In the last like two years with black women Mm. starting to feel that I'm getting emotional. Wow. Yeah. Starting to feel like it's okay to take a break. Yeah. That it's okay to not be superhuman and to push back and think that we don't always have to be struggling. Right. We just always have to have some sort of adversity. Right. And if we don't, sometimes it's problematic to certain people. Sorry, I, there's a lot going on in my head as I'm talking through this. Yeah. Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> yes. And let that flow, you know, like it is okay to cry. I think even as black women, right. Of like, it is okay for us to do that. Um, And we haven't, we haven't always had the space to do that. No, but when did your therapy journey start? How did you get into it? Did someone present it to you? Is it something that you just found and journeyed to on your own? What does it do for you? Yeah. So I started back this August will make 10 years that I have done therapy every single week, every single week. I mean, I look at, I'd like calculate how much money that has been, you know. Anyways, you know what? You can't put a dollar amount on your mental health. You know, I thought about, I was like, how many hours have I been doing this? And so I had, I got, I started Curlbox. Curlbox immediately takes off. I, I achieved this like financial success and I've never felt more miserable in my life at that time. And it was really like, yes, you know, I think all along the way I had convinced myself of like, you know, I'm just not happy because I don't have enough money. So then you start making more money. Oh, it's because I don't have the right car. So I went and I bought like a BMW cash. So now I got, you know, oh, it's because I don't live at the right place. So then I go and get this like decked out apartment and it's like, I'm buying all the clothes and it's like, I can afford everything and I'm taking all the trips and I'm like really miserable. And I had two friends. One friend was like, you know, was just straight up with me, I guess, and in, in listening to me kind of vent and was like, I really can't help you. I think you need to talk to a professional. And then I have another, my current therapist was referred to me by a friend whose mom was dying at the time. And she was seeing a therapist to kind of like walk her through basically watching her mother die of cancer. 
And so she connected me with a therapist and she was the first friend that I had that I could have these like deeper conversations. There's, because it's nice to have like a small pot of friends that also go to therapy to have these like deeper conversations and to wonder together. And so I had my first therapy session. I was, I'm going to be 43 on Sunday, but I was 32 at the time, 32, 33, I guess, 30. And I was just like, I'm not happy. You know, I'm not, I have everything to be happy and I am not happy. And this is scary. It, this is telling me that I will never be happy. If I can't be happy with like living like this and having all the access in the world, I will never be happy. And little by little, my therapist what I now realize she did was she kind of stood in my life as like a parental figure and sort of like we co-regulated, you know, I was such a dysregulated person and we co-regulated using her. I now think about the tone at which she spoke to me. I, you know, not very, didn't go too high, didn't go too low and just kind of really gave me the tools to realize that I had permission to have certain conversations with people, to set boundaries, to now I feel like my life is so much more at ease because I can tell people exactly how I feel and I can manage the anxiety that I might feel around what, you know, their reaction to what I just said. And that's the hardest part, you know, it's like, okay, I got boundaries, but it's like now having to deal with you, me telling you something and you just having a full fit, I now can sit with that and, and really understand why it might be difficult for you to hear that from me, but knowing in the back of my mind that this is hard for you because you can't do this. You don't have the guts or you can't tell someone no. And so how dare I be able to do that? And so I know when you're upset, it's not about me. It's just that, and that's why our kids trigger us too. You know, it's like, Kids are so themselves. They know who they are and they know what they need. And because we don't know who we are, therefore we don't know it what we makes need. Us when they're angry. just oh, pisses us off. How dare you know yourself so well, new human? Yeah. But there is so much to be learned from them. them. It's so true. Yes. They will set a boundary on you so fast. No. Thank you for all the gems you drop literally everywhere. The podcast, Twitter. Instagram, um, you know, which leads to the hashtag my taught you. Um, I saw on in one of your posts the other day, I wrote it down. My answers are not the way they are my way. Yes. Like literally have it on a post-it note on my laptop. Okay. But in your podcast, you've said things like the answer is in the question. Yes. Yes. Expand on that, please. Yes. So often people will contact me and say, how do I know it's time to leave my job? How do I know it's time to leave the relationship? And what that sounds like to me as not a therapist at all, but to me, it sounds like you are looking for someone to validate what you already feel and what you already know. And it's like, that's not really the question. It's how do I leave my job? Because it sounds like you're ready. It's how do I leave this relationship? Because it sounds like you're ready, you know? And so I'm like, you're, the answer is there. You you know you want to go. And now we need to just build on that. And so you don't need me to confirm what you already know for yourself and about yourself. You just need, maybe you, you want to hear from me on what are the steps to get moving. We don't, no one really gives us 
room to change our mind, to say, this isn't working for me anymore. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I don't want to be that anymore. You know, I thought I wanted to be in a relationship with you, but I don't really want to be in a relationship with you anymore, you know, and we need help. We are always looking out for people to kind of confirm what we but we already know that it's starting to brew inside of us. Yeah. I feel our generation is struggling with that, but Gen Z is not. No. They look in for every reason to not do certain things and they're overly honoring yeah. themselves and overly authentic. It's really it's really interesting to see that shift today. Well, I wouldn't say overly because this is what I think about the upcoming generation. This is what I admire about them. Every, everybody thinks that their way is the way, you know, our parents thought like, you know, me wanting to do the stuff that I wanted to do. My parents like, ah, look at her. She just doesn't want to, she doesn't want to commit to anything. She just wants to do everything her way. You know, what I'm excited about are like the next generations helping us. They're setting boundaries for themselves. They are not trying to spend all of their life working, which I'm like, show us. Okay. Show us. I read something the other day. I think it said like over 70% of Gen Z's rather quit their current job without having another job. They don't care. They're like, this is not for me. But I was kind of like that. I quit a job with no job. I you did. are not. I, you're an anomaly. Yeah. Unicorn status. Unicorn. But I will say this. Yeah. I, what, I, what I admire about this, what I admire about this generation and what I hope like when I see like my son and daughter come along is like, I am raising my kids to... What we think makes people good is how they achieve professionally and how much money they make. That is how we measure everybody. But it's like, if that was the ticket and that was the goal, why is everybody so miserable? And I said, if everybody was so happy making all this money, they wouldn't be showing it off to you on Instagram all the time. They'd be out somewhere living, you know? And so I want my kids to live their lives. I want for them to not be measured on how far they excel professionally. And, you know, and that took, that was a lot of like taking the ego, like me removing my ego of like me doing a good job as a mother is not going to be, my report card is not going to be where my kids go to school and what kind of jobs they have. That's not going to be my report card. I think my report card is going to be like how they feel about themselves and how they treat others. Are they happy? I don't, I wouldn't even go so far as to say, are they happy? I would not because I don't really, I don't, I don't really want my children to be happy all the time because they're not going to be. I want them to recognize happy as an experience. If they recognize happy as an experience, then they will recognize sadness and depression and anxiety as experiences. And so I want to raise my children to make a home for all of those experiences in their body. So that to me is like, you know, I don't want my kids to be happy per se. I want them to, when they're feeling, my son will tell you, mommy, I'm frustrated. I want for him to be able to make a home for those feelings and know that they are a part of him and not all of him. And that's something I had to learn. It's like, I was like, really like, I was spiraling out of control, like maybe a couple months ago, like just full on total, like every day stressed out. And and it, I wasn't able to stop it until I said, a part of me is really stressed. I am not stressed. A part of me is really stressed. And once I was able to like pull that out, so that's what I want for them because they're going to feel, I think a lot of what is hard for us is that when those hard days and our hard feelings come up, we don't welcome them. We don't know how to give them a home. And you know what happens when you don't say hello or you don't welcome that most annoying person? They just get louder and louder. So you literally have to be like, hey girl, I see you. 
You're back. Lastly, before we go, because the podcast is all about highlighting dope ass people like yourself, mm-hmm. I you. like to end every episode by asking my guests to name three dope people that they think everyone should have on their radar. Three dope people everyone should have on their radar. Number one, Nedra Glover, Tawab, Set Boundaries, Found Find Peace. Number two is going to be Dr. Rebecca Kennedy, who goes by Dr. Becky Kennedy at Good Inside. Her shtick is parenting, but at the core of everything that she does and talks about, it's like really about reparenting yourself and sort of just game changer. And the third person that I would say, she goes by politics and fashion on um, Instagram. And she's a lawyer who's had cancer, who's beat cancer and she blogs, she's stylish, but she's smart as I don't know what. And she really just, Tashira, Tashira, she is, if people tapped into her, she deserves so much more. Like her content is so good and so real. And her her blog is politicsandfashionblog.com. She's dope as hell and she deserves to be on your radar. Okay, I'm looking her up immediately, not passing go or collecting $200. Yes, check her out. Where could everybody find you on the interwebs? I'm on the interwebs um, at my leak on Instagram. Um, and my website is myleek.com or mytaughty.com. Curlbox is my business, curlbox.com. And I hope to have more you know, I'm working on some new things. So please just check into those sites because they will be updating with news soon. Amazing. I can't wait to see what you're up to next. I am so grateful for this time that yes. you spent with me today. Thank you. And I hope we can connect in real life sometime soon. Absolutely. I hope so too. Thank you so much for listening. For more episodes, subscribe to My Friends Do Dope Shit on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends and make sure to leave a rating and a review. My Friends Do Dope Shit is produced by Entertainment One. The director of programming at E1's podcast network is Sasha Tong. Executive producers, Deborah Belcourt and Sasha Tong. Producer, Allison Bruff. Associate producers, Adrian Muhajirin and Chris Chu. Edited and mixed by Adrian Muhajirin. Hosted by me, Sasha Exeter. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 